Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. John Baldoni is one of the world's prominent experts on leadership. I've been a fan and friend of his work for years and years. He's one of the best people I know. So it's great to have somebody who's an expert in leadership, but it's also nice when you have somebody who exhibits kindness, compassion, and grace. And his new book, Grace, he has a lot of books. He has a lot of books on leadership, and they're all really good. His latest book, Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us, is so appropriate today. And it's about the power of leaders serving others and creating this culture of kindness. Excellent leaders are known for character as well as results. So I want to talk about all things grace. Welcome to Aim Higher, John. Oh, it's such a pleasure to connect with you, um, Skip. Um, thank you for that warm and kind introduction. It's a, uh, an honor to be on your show. Well, I want to start off by reading the first paragraph that just strikes me actually in your prologue of this book, because it defines grace. So I want to just start there. We call it grace, the disposition to do something more for others. Actions big and small are acts of grace when done with the right intention and the right goals. While grace is perceived to be spiritual, its manifestation is personal. We reveal it in our actions toward others. In other words, grace is like character. We can think of it, but it is only evident when we act upon it. I love it. Talk to us a little bit more about your definition of grace. Thank you. Grace is the catalyst for the greater good. It is given to us without strings, and it's what we do with it to affect positive change. All of us have been beneficiaries of grace. And I know, Skip, you have told me so many wonderful stories of grace in your own life, uh, particularly with your mother, and bless her memory. So grace, and we need it now because it's that facilitates our connectedness between uh, leaders and followers. Because grace is unencumbered, it is free, but it has um, an implication of pay it forward to make things better for you where you can. Let me make, give an example of someone, and I profiled him in, in the book, Father Greg Boyle, who's a Jesuit priest in Los Angeles. He's the founder of Homeboy Industries, and uh, he's been going since the late 80s, and it's a, the largest gang intervention program in the world. And it's all about giving people a second chance. And Father Boyle talks about dealing with the dispossessed, if you will. And it's the form of connectedness and understanding others. He's also a very eloquent writer. And his newest book is called Barking at the Choir, which is something of a little bit of an inside joke. But what it's about is when you reach out to someone, do it with an open heart. And I think that open heartedness and you know this from your leadership, Skip, is your presence. Give your presence. And when you're fully engaged, see what happens. That's good. Fully engaged. Well, you, John, are one of my go-to experts on a lot of things, leadership. And I think about grace. And you, you mentioned this spiritual leader. And we think about it in that context. 
And yet you tie it also to corporate leadership, grace and corporate leadership, which is not something people would usually think about, right? You don't think about grace as a word. People think about a church or something. They don't think about a company. And yet you link those strongly together. Why did you do that? How do you see that? And in the world we're in today where people are so polarized, confused, in the middle of a pandemic, scared, all the different things going on around the world, how is leadership so related to grace? Excellent question. And you get to the heart of why I wrote the book. We are polarized. And so when I talked about a leader's role, as you know well, is to bring people together for common cause. What can facilitate common cause is the sense of grace. And while, yes, we do think of grace as a spiritual concept, it is not bound by any faith and probably stems from our DNA. We are wired to care for others that we care about, chiefly our family. So from a leadership standpoint, that caring must be exerted and grace facilitates that. And it's not that your leader is spiritual in the sense of faith, but appeals to a higher purpose in the sense of bringing people together for that common cause. I consider it the catalyst for greater good. How can we bring people together? And so from a leadership standpoint, it's almost impossible to act without grace if you want to build community where there is commitment, cooperation, and collaboration. We need grace. We need one another to reciprocate, but also to act with a more open heart, to act respectfully toward others. So that's where grace comes in to play in an organizational setting. I love the way you take grace and you break it down into letters. And and grace, the first part of it is generosity. And in that same vein of wondering, you know, why grace with a corporate leader? I think about generosity. And we see people who are generous, but in a capitalist society, running a company, you generally see people who are focused on shareholder value. You think about increasing profits. You don't think about generous, usually. The captains and titans of industry Maybe you think they're generous after they've made billions and billions of dollars and then decide to help. But in general, are they really generous? And yet it's so important in terms of leadership. How do you help leaders become more generous if they don't think it's in their DNA? If they say, you know, I'm just wired to produce results. How or can you teach them that later in life? That's a very valid and savvy insight. And I don't know that it begins with later in life once, you know, you the, the Rockefeller model, if you will, being a robber baron and then giving it away. The thinking about generosity is you do it to create a spirit of collaboration in a way. And there's another twist to generosity, which I'm borrowing from Admiral Stockwell, whom you, I'm sure you know his work well. He was the, imprisoned in the Hanoi Hilton for seven years, whatever, and along with John McCain. And when he came out, he went to the Hoover Institute at Stanford and studied Stoic philosophy of all things. And in one of his books, he talks about power. And he says the strength of a leader, uh, I'm paraphrasing, becomes greater when he or she gives away that power. 
That's the spirit of generosity. So often we think, uh, and Adam Grant has talked about this in an audiobook he did called Power. We have been raised with a traditional model of hoarding power and keeping it all for ourselves. Well, in our more lateral society, and organizational, even though there is a CEO, there is a hierarchy, we don't function really well as a strict hierarchy because people want a sense of ownership. Well, you give that ownership by sharing power, authority, information, if you will. So that's where grace comes in, because I would say, again, grace facilitates the ability to share, the ability to be generous. And also, if you get into the corporate example, as you well know, I think it was last year, about this time, the conference board came out with its new a purpose statement, if you will, and it redefined shareholder value as stakeholder value, which is the broader concept. It's not just people who own your stock, but it's also your employees and the communities in which your business operates, as well as your customers. So by thinking of generosity in a more broad concept, that's where generosity uh, fulfills itself. And I think grace amplifies that. I think that's so well said. I always say that great leaders shine a spotlight on others and that generosity of power, of information, and really empowerment for employees really motivates them much more than if you would hoard it and, and do things traditionally. Right. And what I like to say is that, as you know, I've done a lot of work in purpose, written a couple of books on that. And purpose is, from purpose comes our, our vision, which is our sense of becoming. It stimulates our mission, which is our doing slash building. And you can achieve your vision and mission, and we know this, in spite of people. But I don't know that you build a sustainable organization that way. And so that's where grace comes in. Grace becomes our how. It facilitates our value system. And what are values? Values define how we belong to one another. That's good. Well, in this grace model, respect is another one. And certainly we all know the power of respect and we're in a world that we don't always go there. And practicing respect seems rarer and rarer. I mean, we, we live in a world of social media and people are looking for the, that attack line. People are looking to take people down, not to build people up. It seems like we are learning and teaching this entire culture of disrespect. Without question. I call so much of social media is anti-social media. It's gotcha. And when I was doing the book and I talked to a few and many others, and the idea of respect came up and it was more of a sense of looking at an individual with an open heart and an open mind. And let me tell you how that works in a business. And you know this well. If you've been around in an organization for a while, people sometimes become crossways with their boss or team or whatever it is, and they be are, are transferred someplace else or whatever it is. And it's taking that person and giving him or her the benefit of the doubt until they prove otherwise. And also that also goes to first impressions. And I always call myself out on this because I'm the world's worst 
first impression person. People often who I glance at or I see the first time and I might think in my own imperious way, oh, that's a jerk. I end up admiring the heck out of those people once I know them. So shame on me for not practicing principles of grace. So that's all about uh, giving that open heartedness, giving people, and this is important for leaders, give them the opportunity to prove themselves. And we often see this when someone is promoted from the outside. And a classic example is Alan Mulally, uh, who took over Ford in 2006 when the company was pretty close to bankruptcy. And because Alan came from Boeing, a non-automotive company, obviously, the skeptics and critics said, well, he's gonna come into Ford and just torch the place. Well, he didn't. Only a handful of people left and at the senior leadership position, and those essentially self-selected. Alan is that kind of person that just, you know, looks for talent and wherever it comes. And it's a great way lesson for managers, I teachers, or I, when I coach people, I say, look for the talent right under your own nose. This is a great time to look for talent because I like to say that just as cream rises in hot coffee, talent rises in times of adversity and heat. So when we think about that, and that's a form of respect, giving people, looking at the positive rather than leaping to the pejorative. I always say, assume positive intent and you will be much better off. It is so common for us to go the other direction and very difficult to fight that. Well, A is all about action and what I love about it, I mean, obviously, you think leadership, you think action, it totally makes sense. It's execution. That's the one that gets me going. You know, just <laughs> let's go. And what I like about your focus here on action is action for the benefit of others is the big theme of graceful leadership steps in that part of the book. Making a mistake, you apologize, considering your purpose, practicing ways to be a servant leader. So you're acting, but acting in this way that is very graceful. And it strikes me as I think about grace so far and even action is it seems to be slowing me down. As I read this, I think, you know, in order to be graceful, I have to be more intentional. I have to be a little bit more deliberate and don't just take action, knee-jerk reaction. But the graceful way to lead is action in the context of of all of these values and, and all of the other components of this book. Is that a good way to look at it? Oh, it's a beautiful way of looking at it. And uh, I could not have said it better. And in fact, I don't think I did say it. So thank you for that thought. And But you're right. What you're doing is blending a concept of because, and I touch on the book, when we think of grace, there's a sense of beauty, of motion. Look at um, the arts, sports. We see men and women in acting with Grace. I'd like to think of Cary Grant in some of his movies. You know, he was a trained acrobat. And so he had great movement and great presence and things like that. So but grace comes down to either for an athlete or for a leader, it's a sense of centeredness. And it's what you talked about. When one is centered, one is comfortable in his or her own skin. And in being that way, you can project yourself outward. And that's what leadership is all about. It's the outward expression of bringing people together. Leaders do live in their heads, but not exclusively. But there is that deliberative process to use whenever possible. I love it. And then there's compassion 
which is so powerful. And I think people in leadership often don't realize you can have compassion even when making tough decisions. And it's how you communicate them. It's how you do them. And I find that to be one of the more powerful parts of your work, of leading with compassion, delivering and acting in compassion. Compassion is essential. It's love for another in the sense of respecting human dignity. And, you know, we've been through a position or sadly still going through this where leaders such as yourself, executives and senior positions have to lay off people. And I have a colleague who had to lay off a significant number of people. And she really, it was not in her nature. I don't know it's in the nature of anyone to lay off people, but uh, she really worked hard at it and did it in such a compassionate way that left them with their dignity, but more than that, affirmed their humanity and their self-worth. Because think about it, Skip, if you're laid off from your job, even though you know it's circumstance and it's not you personal, well, it is personal if you lose your job. And so it's up to the person who's doing the laying off to affirm the dignity of the work, but also the dignity that you have as a human being and give them a positive out and a channel and affirm them so that they can hold their heads high and hold on to their self-esteem and move on to the next step. Powerful. E. John, all about energy, obviously. I'm wondering about energy in the midst of a pandemic. And how does this pandemic affect leaders and keeping their energy when we're socially distanced, extroverts in particular? I know I'm, I get all of my energy from people, so it's hard to be disconnected in the way that we are. How are leaders able to maintain that energy in the middle of COVID? Well, you, you hit the nail on the head, and it isn't easy. And it, this pandemic is going on and on, and I think you have to prepare First of all, we're not going back to where we were in January 2020. We are creating this new normal. And facing that fact is essential for a leader. But it's very tiring. It's very wearing. And you raised a critical point because so many of us are working in a form of isolation or certainly we're not surrounded by our colleagues and we're on Zoom or phone calls or whatever it is. It's a constant projection outward. That's very, very tiring. And so it's up to leaders to exert self-care. And a lot of leaders may push back and they say, well, I don't have time to do it because I'm, you know, doing all this other stuff. Nonsense. You can work at a high rate of output for a short period of time. But after a while, and research proves this, if you're clocking 100 hour weeks and stuff, after a while, you become essentially impaired. Think of it as having three drinks before you do everything. And you don't get high, but you get impaired in the sense that a task that would take you an hour may take you three hours. So you're not performing optimally. And the other thing is, is because you're not performing optimally, you are letting your team down. Therefore, you have to take care of yourself. Get enough sleep, diet, exercise, make time for your hobbies, make time for downtime. Spend time with your family, associate with friends as much as you can. That will renew your sense of energy. And, you know, as we know from the work of Tony Schwartz, who runs the energy company, energy is critical to a leader's ability to lead effectively. Because if a leader's non energized, he or she 
doesn't have the reach, doesn't have the buzz, doesn't have the power to exert that extra effort to achieve uh, intended goals. Good advice. A list of very important things from sleep to friends. John, we talked a lot about leadership and the leader exhibiting these qualities. The aspiring leaders, the developing leaders, the culture of the company, how does a leader or a group of leaders build a culture of grace across the organization? That's a good question. And I will answer with, I think, something that the Dalai Lama has said. Be the example you want others to be. So if a leader wants to teach a follower and, quote, teach him or her how to be a better leader, well, you be that better leader. And you lead with an open heart. You are generous. You are respectful. You act for the benefit of others. You do it with compassion and you energize the organization. We learn the best examples of grace are from example, what we see. And we also learn from bad examples too, which can be corrective and give us a guideline in the sense that I will not do that. I will not act self-centered. I will not put denigrate other people. I will put my team first. I'm not perfect, but I will aspire to my better side. And also let's practice the art of gratitude. Be thankful for what we have. And also be thankful for ourselves. None of us are perfect, but all of us have something that we can share with others. And from a position of grace, that comes this feeling that I have something to offer. If it's only my presence, I can be with others. And I think that's how we nurture a culture of grace, or I call it a culture of service, by being a better colleague. And it's this term better is you define better in the way it means for you. How can you be improve yourself to be more effective, to be more generous, to be more respectful? Define what it means and then practice it. That's great. Well, I want to end with you telling us a little bit more about this series. There's over 50 videos in your Grace Under Pressure series. Would you just tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, thank you. In times of challenge, I sometimes get very creative. And so Grace, the book, came out in May of last year, well before our pandemic. And I was talking to colleagues about call it, in lack of a better term, a brand extension. But it was less that I started thinking about, I can do little videos about the personal side of leadership, what leaders are feeling, fear, dislocation, uncertainty, ambiguity, and how leaders need to act, what they need to do for others. And so I put these little videos together, and there are some, some fit over 50 of them now, and I also share these thoughts in my writing about more organizational issues. And I write for Forbes and I write for Smart Brief, which is anyone Googles my name, the, those will come up. But I've done something new, and you've talked about it, Skip, and it's my new series called Grace Under Pressure. I'm talking with thought leaders and leaders who are defining our new normal, but also teaching us how to lead with a sense of grace under pressure. I call it keeping it real and being authentic, sincere, and acting for the benefit of others. And uh, that's on LinkedIn, and it's also on YouTube. And you can go to my website. There's a button for it, and you can find the series there. And we're up to about 28 episodes now. Fantastic. Well, 
I hope everyone realizes why I wanted to have my friend John Valdoni on the show. International leadership expert, numerous books. I think it's 14 or 15. What 14. Is it, John? 14 books and 14 more to come, I hope. <laughs> Gutsy Leadership, Lead with Purpose, Lead Your Boss, I know The Leader's Pocket Guide, and this great book, Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us. And it is grace that brought us together even on this interview, since we have John, who's based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, coming on a podcast with somebody based in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> so you can make friends across any spectrum, even political divides, um, and more importantly, football divides. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, he teaches about the you know the, there's a range of political leaders in the book. There's a range of corporate leaders and spiritual leaders, and you have that whole range. But even football, you can bring people together through grace. So thank you very much, John, for joining. It's my pleasure, Skip. As you know, I'm a big fan of your work, your leadership, your inspiration. Your book of mistakes is just uh, on my bookshelf, and I recommend it highly. And thank you for what you have taught me, and let's stay connected, my friend. Always will. Thanks so much, John. Thanks for joining us on Aim Higher. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.